one year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money in the fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Herb Lennon Game Magazine. The structure from Herb Lennon. Herb Lennon's articles, the Herb Lennon ads. Two information, trapping radios. We are trappers in ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet that's working ahead of time to build big traffic. If you got very much the same as the you got Bobcat. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the fur shed, this is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for listening in. We are brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures. K-A-A-T-C-B-R-O-S.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. If you want a trap and supplier who's got everything you need to get going on the trap line, check out Knott's Bros. Baits and lures, full selection. They got traps, they got snares, they got all the accessories, and some books and DVDs to get you going. On X Maps, use your phone as a GPS on the trap line to mark the trap locations, run tracks, scout using the latest aerial imagery, and get landowner information, parcel data. Everything you need to make sure you know where you're at and what's around you. And finally, Moyle Mink and Tannery. Get your fur tanned by the professionals. Preserve that fur for the long term, whether it's a wall hanger, whether it is uh, something that you want to sell, you want to make something, make some hats or mitts. This is a a, a very high-quality garment tan, and uh, they they do a great job, great service, very uh, very fast by as in terms of tanning as the tanning industry goes it's notoriously a long process but these guys do a great job moyle.net m-o-y-l-e.net and you can email them at info info at moyle.net and use their online customer portal they'll really appreciate it and it'll get you for processed faster so what's going on with me you say i just pulled the martin and fisher well the martin trap line it it started off as a martin trap line it transitioned to a bit of a fisher trap line as i ran out of really good martin habitat but yeah i pulled traps and i'm kind of in the process of getting everything kind of organized and trying to get the fur shed back into organizational status so i can start working up fur and not have a huge mess here i've got one last uh, video that is uploading to youtube right now and that's probably going to take another Oh, six or eight hours anyway. It's it's a, a long, slow process. But I'm, I'm in the first shed. I figured I'd, I'd go ahead and get this podcast up uh, a little bit ahead of time so it'll be ready when it's time to air. Uh, I have some uh, inventory updates from the Trapping Today store. So I apologize for folks who were waiting for shirts. That was taking forever, and I finally was able to uh, get the print shop to uh, finish up the the printing on the new Mustela, the new batch of the 
same style Mustelid t-shirts. Prized Mustelids of the North American Trapper. So I got the tan colored shirts. I got a bunch of those. I was able to get back in stock and get them screen printed. So all the sizes, pretty much any size that was out of stock before, between the tan and the sand dune color, you're going to find at least one size uh, one shirt that will fit you so uh, you're not gonna have to worry now every size is stocked in at least one of those colors and a lot of the sizes have both colors in stock so the mustelid t-shirts are back please go check them out and uh, the way supply chains are lately it might be hard to get those shirts reordered right away so if you do want to make sure that that they don't run out again uh, I'd order them pretty quick sometime in the next couple of weeks um, I did notice I was playing around my inventories in the store, and I I had uh, coffee mugs that they showed as being out of stock, and I actually had a new order. I just uh, slipped my mind. I didn't have time or didn't think of, of going in and updating the inventory when the box came in. Uh, so I, I do have plenty of coffee mugs in stock. They've been there, and I was I went went for a week or so, and I didn't sell any, and I'm thinking, huh, I wonder why no one's buying mugs. It's Christmas time. So I went in there when I was updating the shirt inventory. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, my it, The store shows that there's none in stock. So uh, it's fixed. I put a bunch up. Those are good. Uh, Russ Carbon Traps, I did go through and uh, find a few more of those. So so they I did put those back in inventory. They sh were showing out of stock. So be sure to, to pick up one of those, one or two of those. If you'd like those, again, those, when they're out, they're out. You know, I've... I, I can keep digging around, digging around, and and uh, it, but it, but at some point there there's a limited supply of those, and and you're not gonna be able to get any more. It's not like I can order traps uh, uh, that were owned and used by Russ Carmen and have his tags on them, and and uh, once they're out, that's it. So, and finally, in store news, I've been working on the the Trapping Today logo T-shirts. And I, when I went to the printers today to pick up the the mustelid tees, I had a run of uh, the the t-shirts with the Trapping Today logo with the Martin on it, uh, the same logo that's on the the coffee mugs and the koozies. They look awesome. I got them in a navy blue t-shirt with a white. The logo's in white. Boy, it just looks incredible. Uh, the only problem with that is the extra larges were delayed in shipping so i got everything printed except xls so i'm not sure i'm going to try to get the rest of the sizes up within the next few days up on the store but the xls might be another week or week and a half because they're at the printers now and also i've got beanies and i've got uh, flex fit baseball caps that look awesome and i sent them to the shop to get embroidered with the Trapping Today logo, so I'm hoping those turn out good. If they, if it all works out, those are probably in the next two weeks. We're probably going to have those. I, I really had hoped I, I could get those done for Christmas, and I had the stuff in stock, but the the print shop kind of went offline for a while there, so I just couldn't get them. I couldn't get them embroidered. I couldn't get anything printed for for a little while. But but things seem to be back. Uh, in business and going at least for now so uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that and uh, was able to to discuss that with them today and I think we're going to get that done so it's uh, keep your keep your eyes open stay tuned I'm hoping to 
uh, start providing some newsletter sort of updates from the store. So if you have purchased uh, items from the Trapping Today store and you you signed up for the newsletter, I've got your email address there. And uh, I'd, I'd like to start to use that. I haven't done it yet, but I like to start to use that to give people updates on uh, things, new products that come in, uh, just what's going on, maybe just to kind of keep people interested in, and up to date on things and, and where I'm, I'm headed with that. So I think it'd be a good idea to do. Uh, however, I just haven't really had the time to do it. So I'm, I'm working on ways that are going to free up some of my time here in, in a few weeks. And I, I hope that'll be a project, one of the projects that I'm going to work on. I got a lot of projects I want to work on. I'm actually really excited about uh, this winter. I think there are a lot of things that I, I can get done if I can uh, carve out enough time and focus. I Boy, it's going to be exciting, guys. Uh, for me, anyway. Maybe maybe not for you. I don't know. But it's uh, I, I've, I've got a lot of things I've been wanting to do for a long time. And hopefully they'll start to come together. Okay. In tonight's episode, we have a Southern Trapper, Jeremy Everett from Mississippi. So th- this was a great opportunity to talk with someone from down south. I know you some of you probably get a little tired of hearing from me up north, up in the northeast in Maine, and uh, I tend to be biased because that's what I know and what I like and and what I'm around. So I'm going to talk about Maine trapping more than anything else, but I know a lot of people that, that listen to this would love to hear from different parts of the country, from other trappers, and so when I had the opportunity to interview Jeremy, I thought it would be just a, a great chance to expose folks, uh, folks from down south, get a little bit more of something they're familiar with, and people from other parts of the country to learn a little more about it. And I learned quite a bit as well. So we're going to talk about uh, Jeremy's trap line, his his uh, how he got started trapping, what he does now. He's a pretty young trapper, pretty new, but he has made a lot of progress in the last couple of years. He traps coyotes for the live market down there. The live market is something that's very unique. It is... Uh, it's it's fascinating. We talk a little bit about the the dog clubs there and the people who run coyotes with dogs and and the the breeding of those dogs and and just everything that's involved in there and the cultural importance that it has to that area of the country. Uh, for me, it's something I have absolutely no interest in, and I, I I've just I've never really thought that you know it, it's anything I would ever have wanted to do. But I can see if I would have grown up in that culture, how important that could be and how valuable uh, and uh, how big a part of life it could be. So these guys get into it. It's a big deal. And they uh, they ha- they use coyotes uh, in this dog, um, this kind of, th- this, I don't know what to call it. It's, it's sort of, a, they, they run dogs. They run dogs and they, they run dogs on coyotes and they, they, they don't even really hunt. They, they don't want the coyote to be killed. They just want to listen to the dog's work. Um, it, it's fascinating. So we talk about the details there and how Jeremy uh, catches coyotes. Not only is he solving uh, predator management problems for landowners and deer clubs down there, but he's also providing these animals to be used for this live market. And uh, we get into that and, and the different... Uh, things that are important in the live market that you might, when you're a fur trapper, you might not think about. So let's get into it. Hope you enjoy. Okay, Jeremy from 
Mississippi, Louisiana, where you at? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm right on the border, so I trap both states, actually. I'm about, I'm, I live in Mississippi, and I'm about 15 minutes from the Louisiana border, so I trap in both states. Right on. So how did you get started trapping? Uh, six or seven years ago, I had some chickens getting hammered by a red fox. And he was smart. He would, uh, he'd be in the coop as soon as they got there before I could even get in there and close the door behind them. And uh, tried staying up, shooting them, all that good stuff. Could never catch them in a, you know, a cage-style trap. And somebody told me, hey, man, try trapping them old school. I had no idea what I was doing. I think I brought a Bridger 165. Didn't know what I was doing with it and ended up snagging them. I just kind of blindsided it on side the coop where I knew he was walking and caught him. And that started a very expensive hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get the trap? Uh, we got a little sportsman's warehouse down here. I don't know if y'all have them up there or not. I know they're, uh, no, uh, I lived out West. They had some there. Yeah. So we got one over here and actually, believe it or not, they, they discontinued their trapping line over here. They put it all on clearance and they don't sell any more traps anymore out here. So Jeez, that's too but, bad. Yeah. And, uh, I've got one little feed store about 20 minutes from me that carries some trapping stuff. And that's about it. Every, everything else I have to get online. But, yeah, I went in there, and I, I picked up a couple small traps and some lure. I, I tell you, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing when I, I put the lure on top of the trap, just thinking, oh, oh it's going to make them go to the <laughs> trap, you know. And yeah, I didn't even think about getting on YouTube to figure it out, you know. And afterwards, uh, I, I, that trap probably hung in my shed for a year or two without me really messing with it. Three years ago or so, I, I really got into it hard and heavy, and it's been nonstop since then. So what triggered that next step from catching that one animal to, to just doing trapping in a serious way? A really, really bad deer club. I got bored sitting in, in a tree seeing absolutely nothing, and I was seeing all this sign for coyote and all the members complaining about it. And I said, well, I've got them traps. Uh, maybe I can figure out something and at least entertain myself. Um, my club is about 6,500 acres of pine plantation, but it's only 15 minutes from my house. So, we'll, so have, it makes to, it... we'll have to familiarize people like me from the Northeast that don't know what a club is. I assume that you pay a membership to be able to hunt a piece of property. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's the most common thing down here. You know, you've got annual dues. So basically uh, this, this region is a lot of pine plantation owned by lumber mills and paper companies. And it's mainly pines. You'll have a few areas that they didn't cut and, and plant pine, but 90% of the property is going to be, you know, planted pine and, pay your dues, whatever the club dues are. And each club has individual rules that you got to adhere to and whatnot, but it basically gives you access to hunt, whatever, you know, whatever style hunting that club does, if it's dogs or still hunting or whatnot. So, but, uh, yeah, I've got a good buddy up from Maine and he was telling me about how y'all get to hunt up there and how everybody's lands basically open to hunt. If it's not posted, that was just, yeah, it's like a foreign concept. Unheard of to me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely foreign. He's like, he's like, yeah, man, you can shoot a moose in the middle of the road basically out here. Wow, you know? Yeah, and birds and deer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. totally foreign concept. When he, he came down here and did a little hog hunting with me a couple months ago, and he was telling me about how y'all get to run around up there and whatnot. And, but then again, he's, tell, you know, he's like, man, we don't have any continuous tracks of land, 6,000 acres or more. You know, everything's kind of broke up around up here. 
Yeah, it depends where you're at. Where I am, we have about three and a half million acres of contiguous timberland. Uh, oh wow! That we have access to. We're pretty fortunate in that, in that respect. But as you get Definitely. into like the where there's more uh, civilization, um, you, you do have like a lot of small like twenty acre, forty acre tracks. Yeah. Now, do you, do y'all have uh we call them wildlife management areas here, but just basically state owned. We do. Uh, you know. yep. Okay. There aren't there are, there isn't very much of that. Uh, state land is a very small percentage, but we do. We have wildlife management areas. They tend to be pretty small parcels, like a hundred acres to maybe a thousand acres. Okay. Uh, and and then there is land that is owned by the state. Uh, that's that's called public reserve land. It was like uh, a lot of states call it like school trust land. Where yeah, we got some of that down here too. Okay. Yeah. So so we've we've got some of that too. But it's really there's so much access here that it it, it isn't. You don't, you don't have a lot of people like, you know, looking around trying to find public land. Gotcha. Uh, it's interesting. So so you got into this because you were a part of this hunting club. You decided you wanted to trap coyotes. Automatically, you got your first permission pretty easy, I imagine. Yeah, permission's uh, pretty easy to come by down here, even though most of us, we, we have a good bit of public land, WMAs and whatnot. Um, but the private land, there's not a lot of guys that trap around here anymore. Um, I, I, the, our live market makes it good, but our quality of fur makes it real terrible. Nobody's trapping for fur down here. They're either trapping for predator management or they're trapping for the live market and that's it. Nobody's trapping for fur down here. So take us through that first season when, when you decide you're going to trap these coyotes that you're seeing, you get tired of deer hunting. Very short lived, very frustrating, uh, very educational. Um, I ran maybe half a dozen traps i had a mixed bag you know i had a couple bridgers i think i'd bought maybe one or two mb550s a couple dukes just really a, a a mixed pot of traps and in total my first season i think i caught three coyotes and then a handful of other critters possums raccoons what other other you know whatever other kind of set wreckers i could get in there to just destroy <laughs> my really terrible quality sets at that time looking back on it and but i spent a very short time maybe two months total and i didn't even know to move didn't even think about to move sets you know if i'm not getting any action i'm just thinking i saw coyote tracks here they're gonna come by eventually they're running this road and i just left basically my six traps where they set for you know two or three months however long i, I ran them that first year and ended up with three um and I was proud of them, you know, I was happy to get them, but wasn't in my head. I'm thinking, wow, this is a lot of work for three coyotes. I'm, <laughs> I'm coming out here. Uh, I work an hour away from my house and I have to be at work by seven. Yeah. So I have to be on the road by six, which means I'm leaving my house by four thirty, five o'clock at the latest to make sure I have time to go check everything and get on the road. So, and it was, uh, got got old really quick when you're not catching anything and and i just didn't know what i was doing wrong um unfortunately we had one other person that trapped on our club not very heavily just every now and then he'd set some and i reached out to him and and said you know hey man i i'm just getting into this and i have no idea what i'm doing uh would you mind if i just tagged along with you i, I don't want to set traps you know i just want to watch and learn and he said no i like doing this alone no kidding. so that's that's yeah. not common no, and, and the guy is, is well-known, you know, by a few people in my club, and they said, man, don't 
Don't take offense to it. That's how he is. Huh. He is a don't want to be bothered by nobody, just wants to be left alone, and it comes to that in every aspect of his life. So I didn't take it personally, but that was my first kind of encounter with somebody else that ran traps, and I was like – A little discouraged. Dang. Yeah. yeah, I was like, dang, man, I was, hope- <laughs> I was hoping to get some pointers at least, and I uh, just got, got a door shut in my face, so that just kind of made me go, well, I guess I'm going to figure this out on my own then, and I sure did. Yeah. So how, so what was the, uh, what was the big, uh, light bulb moment or what, what was the change after that first season? A lot of reading, a lot of YouTube. So just picked up any trapping book I saw, um, hit the libraries, would kind of find whatever I could and spent a lot of hours watching YouTube videos. Of course, 80% of any trapping video you're going to see, they're, they're all just talking about a dirt hole, you know, and different variations of the dirt hole, which, no offense to it. I mean, it is a terrific set, and I've caught plenty of dogs on it. But, you know, there that just seemed to be what everybody focused on. It was a beginner set, and I just I felt like I kind of had to branch out a little bit more to find different variations. And our prob or the problem that I run into out here is our summers are long, hot, and dry, and our winters are wet. Uh, we just got our first rain today for probably six or eight weeks and we got rain for the rest of the week and it will probably continue to rain through January or February, probably at least three days a week for the next two months. Wow. Is that pretty consistent from year to year? Pretty consistent. Um, really wet winters out here and our, our soil. Now we don't fight the freezing, which is great, but our soil where I'm at is, is really heavily clay based. Mm. And when clay gets wet and then dries, it, it turns into cement, and even when it's wet, it's extremely heavy, which doesn't get along with traps really well. No, I so can't imagine. the pipe dream set that uh, Mark Zagger came came out with, when I saw that, that was a light bulb in my head. Yeah, He did it because he's fighting the, the freezing rain. I'm doing it just because I'm fighting the water. I mean, my traps are washing out. They're turning into muck, and not working for me. So, I mean, my traps are no, I might as well stay home in bed than have traps that are in the ground that not doing anything. Yeah. So that was kind of like a light bulb for me. And I, I very heavily use a variation of his pipe dream set. Just may not use the pipe, but Just I use the way you bed the trap. The bedding is, yeah. is important to me, you know, dig a deep hole below it to give it a little bit of drainage and then some sort of grass clipping for coverage. I don't use pan covers. I don't use dirt almost 90% of my sets are a grass clip, grass clip covered. So you have, you have just the standard pan with it and you're covering that with grass clippings. Yes. Okay. Um, if, if I've, I, I kind of struggled with it a little bit when I wasn't cutting my clipping short enough at first. So I'll use full size, you know, just whatever comes out the lawnmower around the trap to blend. But what I actually cover the trap with, I found it needs to be very short because if it's too long, it, it folds up in the jaws and they can they can slip the trap at that point if they fight it long enough. Okay. Because it just kind of gives them a little bit of lubrication that that grass or pine clip, you know, whatever I'm using, they can slide on it. And without using a pan cover, do you find you have to use a lot of those, a lot of that, or, or be careful not to cut it too short so it doesn't, you know, you don't get a bunch of grass underneath the pan? <laughs> yeah, I've I've found a happy medium that works for me. I mean, a pan cover is definitely never going to hurt. I mean, it'll you know, it'll help eat up some of that space so you're not using as much clippings, but 
our grass cutting season's pretty long around here, so I collect <laughs> grass all, all year long. So I said, what are you doing with all this grass? Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, hey, I'll tell you what, uh, it's, it's easier than making wax dirt. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to deal with it. I'm sure it, it would be useful down here with just the amount of water we get, but sure. with us not having the freezing, to me, it would be a unnecessary labor, yeah. even though it, I think it may have its advantages in some situations. So what what was the first big year for you, coyote, uh, mainly coyote trapping or trapping a bunch of different species? Or? Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm a big turkey hunter, so I like to try to target nest predators as well, but my coyotes and foxes, and, and I mainly target coyotes and have a lot of fox catches as well, just because our fox population down here is very healthy. Um, so my second year, the first year I had three, yeah, it was three the first year second year went up to 20 you know 20 25 and wow. i have to go nice. open my book nice. but i ran the entire trapping season so our trapping season runs from november 1st until march 15th and i ran that entire season however in mississippi uh coyote and fox are considered nuisance so we can actually run traps 365 days a year on them yeah and that's that's a big advantage down here of just i can go out yeah, you, every single day if I wanted and, and run a line. You can try different things out, and, yeah, you can learn a lot in the quote-unquote off-season. Yeah, and that's that's uh, something that's worked well for and, and it we don't really have an off-season because we're not trapping for quality fur. I, I, I trap for live market, so in our state we have fox pens that they run field trials on dogs. It's it's like an old fox hunt. You know, the, the object is not to catch the coyote or the fox. These guys – these dogs get judged on how they run and how they're tracking and whatnot, but they got to fill these pens up somehow. We yeah, and... we, we should pause on that for just a second. Okay. The, the, this yeah. is a really fascinating thing, and it, it's completely foreign to people who are not from the South. Uh, right. And I don't fully understand it myself, but I do realize that there's something about people who hunt with dogs. There's like, there's this connection, this like really strong connection to hunting with dogs and it's a it's it's a, it's a different breed thing. of hunters it's a cultural it, thing absolutely it's pretty incredible I, I remember talking to to one guy that said you, you know they don't these guys they could go for you know a decade without firing a weapon they just want to sit in the tailgate and listen to the dogs work absolutely so so there there's there's a really <clears throat> strong culture a lot of people that like to hunt with dogs, the people who do are very passionate about it. And, uh, this, this fox hunting is like, uh, it, I mean, I'm guessing this is similar to the, you know, the fox hunting that was going back to, to the, uh, you know, 1600s and 1700s where people were, were chasing foxes in England. And, and, uh, that's, that's what it roots back to. So they're breeding these dogs specifically to, for this purpose but of course uh things have changed a lot you can't roam the countryside uh <laughs> all over people's backyards chasing foxes uh with dogs and then of course fox numbers uh take a hit when the coyotes become really abundant so um, yep so so could you explain to us how how this whole live market works within that context of of these guys that that love to hunt foxes yeah dogs? absolutely so, so in, in Mississippi and Louisiana, it's legal in both states. There's different regulations, you know, varies by state, of course. Um, but I'm 
I only live market for Mississippi. I don't do anything over state lines. That's just getting into having to have holding pens in both states because, of course, you can't cross state lines with any coyotes or fox. So I only live market trap for uh, Mississippi. And our state uh, maintains a log of all the registered fox pens. They have to meet certain standards. And basically, however many acres your pen is, it's in, it's surrounded by a high fence, a eight foot high fence with a double strand hot wire around the bottom. So they're doing what they can to keep the coyotes in. And of course you do have dig outs and whatnot, but it's a, it's a lot of maintenance on these pens. I've got a pen close to my house. It's 1800 acres fenced okay. in entirely. Big, big time. Okay. And, that, and it's big. so the hunts only take place within these pens. Yes. They, they're only running in inside the pens now. We do have, you know, you can go out on open land and run your coyote dogs or fox dogs and hunt out in public lands or if you have private lands or whatnot, but the pens have their own rules and regulations. There's no season out there. They can run year round because it is a penned in area. You know, it, it becomes almost like a, uh, like farm duck or something like that. You know, they do those, yeah. those types of hunts. Yeah, sure. So. Um, but yeah, the state, the state regulates everything and they have to have so many escape areas. So basically for every 40 acres, your pen is, you have to have a hound proof area to where the game can get into and the dogs can't get to them, whether it be a culvert or they have, they have specially designed feed boxes okay. to where That's the dogs can't I get into I, them. I didn't, I didn't have a clue that that existed. So is, is this because, uh, I assume this is very controversial among some. Yes. And, and so are people, people trying to make sure that this is not harming. You're going to stress out the animal being chased and stuff, but it's not physically, the dogs aren't physically able to, to do too much harm to the animal. Is that the reason? For Correct. That? I mean, the, the object of the game here isn't catch and kill because every time something dies out there, they got to buy another one to replace it. So they have a certain certain amount of game that they keep within their pens and the guys that run these pens, they know, you know, when they go out and feed, they get to see all these coyotes. I mean, it's it's a sight to see when they go run feed down the road and they basically have roads cut all throughout these pens and they'll go drop food on the roads. And it's it's a sight to see 100 coyotes come out the woods, Jeez, and come eat on the road in the middle unreal. of the day. Wow. Yeah. And it's uh, it's it's pretty unreal to see some of that stuff. But they're very familiar with their game. You know, I mean. These guys treat these coyotes like they're their dogs. You know, they don't want to see them hurt. They so, don't want to. Uh, so these coyotes know the deal. Then the the they they hear the dogs come out of the back of the truck. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I'm I'm real familiar with a pen close to me, and uh, they had one red fox over there that he would come out his culvert when he heard the dogs. He loved really? to run, Jeez. and uh, I uh, some people have. They swear, no, that ain't true, but I, I've seen this fox come out and run and run and run and run, and then he'll go jump in his culvert when he gets tired, you know? And they've got areas to get away from the dogs, and when one fox is running or one coyote's running, he can outmaneuver a pack of dogs pretty easily. The dogs kind of tend to trip up on each other and whatnot. They're all bumping into each other. They slow themselves down. What kind so, of dogs are these? Different breeds, a lot of walker hounds, some what we call a July down here, but it's uh it's it's a walker based breed basically. Okay. So it's just a real long legged, slender dog. Um I mean when you think of, of like a foxhound, you know, they're very similar body composition to that. You know, that real long tails, long slender body, long legs. Huh. And so so these guys 
they need to have the foxes or the coyotes and the only way they can get them is to buy them from a trapper right right so i i know of a few guys that run pens that do their own trapping but running a fox pen is a full-time job so they can only run so many traps and if they've got a smaller pen you know 50 60 acres they can probably catch what they need for their game but when you get into five six hundred a thousand acre pens one person trying to run the pen and do all the trapping they, they really can't keep up with it and so so hence the live market now is the live market uh easy to get into is it difficult i mean you just started trapping in a few years ago so uh did you have to kind of work your way into that market work work your way into it yes um if they know you're new to it they're going to beat you down on prices as much as they can and tell you every single thing that's wrong with them but what i've learned over the last few years is even if you were giving the coyotes to them for free they'd still complain about something so (laughs) sure (laughs) that's that's just kind of how they are um but you know it's it's business at the end of the day they're trying to make some money i'm trying to make some money so yeah i try to make sure everybody you know, a good nego- negotiation where everybody leaves feeling like they kind of got screwed a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting because it allows trappers, and you've mentioned, you mentioned this when you emailed me recently, that it allows trappers to kind of have, have sort of a market for their animals in a place where the fur isn't really worth anything. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think one of the very few things that has kept the trapping culture going down here and now most of the guys that are selling to the live market they they just trap for trapping season you know when they're out in the woods deer hunting and whatnot already they'll run their little line you know they're not running year round yeah so when it comes to summertime whoever's got coyotes or fox in the summer well they get a little bit more premium of price for them because everybody needs game in the summer and nobody's out trapping so so uh, in your in your experience how is the live market trapping uh different from from regular fur trapping that i might do up here the most common line that i've seen when i on the facebook groups and whatnot when somebody comes in and says what what is the best trap you know and i I love seeing that what's the best trap for a coyote what's the best trap and and a very common answer i see is the biggest trap you can legally use yeah which i would normally agree with that the most holding power the fastest the biggest the strongest you want it to hit them quick and, and not be able to get out. Well, that's the opposite of what I want. I want something that's going to move quick and hold them, but I don't want any damage to their feet. So and I like, personally like – We're not talking major damage. We're talking you don't even want a bruise on them, right? Yeah. So, I mean, most commonly when you, know, when you pull something out the trap, you'll see the little indentation on the foot and whatnot. If you're – you know trapping for fur well you're putting that animal down and you're not going to see any change to that right immediately you're putting that animal down right right so i personally i hold my coyotes for a few weeks you know i've i've got some large holding pens that they go in and so mine get medication when they go in there you know they get a steroid to help with any swelling that'll come up in that foot if they have an open cut because sometimes you do get a laceration on the foot whether it be from them pulling on the trap or just the way it hit him or whatnot, you may get a small laceration. Well, that gets clean by me. You know, I use a catch pole and I got him on the ground. I'm cleaning the foot. I'm putting iodine or some other sort of wound wash in there. And then I blue coat it with it, which is just a antiseptic bandaid in a can basically yeah. and keep it clean, you know? So I'm 
keeping them high and dry, keeping their, their holding pens clean. I don't want them walking around muddy water. Mine are off the ground. They don't even walk in mud. You know, I have them in a raised pen to where it is high and dry with roofs over it. So they're not sitting out in the rain. They're, they get treated better than some house dogs I've seen, you know, or yard dogs that I've seen. So, but, uh, you know, mine are getting medicated on their feet. They're getting wormed. They're getting a steroid to help with any swelling. They're getting antiseptics and antibiotics if they do have a laceration on their foot. So to help reduce that, I've moved to a smaller trap. I, I run an MB450 now, which you're not going to see recommended most of the time for coyotes. <laughs> Everybody's at the least is going to say a Duke 550, MB550 or, right. you know, or canine bigger. juniors yeah. yeah, or bigger. So, but it's just what I found over the last few years and watching their feet, the days following the catch is what's important, you know, because you don't want that foot to swell up. You don't want that little laceration to get infected because it doesn't take much to have an open wound get packed with feces if they're walking around in mud and their own urine and whatnot. Now you got an infected foot. Well, when I go to sell that dog, it's, you know, oh, well, he's got a bad feet. He can't run. You're only getting X amount of dollars for him instead of this much, you know? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the other trap modifications that you use to uh, for, for the live market? that you might not otherwise use? I personally run very little to no chain and a shock spring. So I will either have a shock spring directly swiveled to my base plate and then swiveled to my earth anchor, or I may have a short two, three, four links of chain to a, to a spring to my anchor um, and multiple swivels, at least two, three swivels because I want no binding and I don't want that hard jerk. So, you know, when they go to fight that trap and they go to run, if I got a long chain, they can build up a little bit of momentum. Sure. And so in my mind, like, you know, if you did that, your, your shoulder, you know, you, you probably pull, you know, pull some tendon in your shoulder muscle or something and uh, get a little sore and you'd be, you know, if you're a coyote, you'd be limping around a little bit. Right. So, I found the shorter chain, it, it reduces that momentum and the shock spring just absorbs a, a good portion of what's left. I'm not saying it's 100% effective, you know, but it, in, in my experience over the last few years and seeing the coyotes that I've caught, it's just, you know, it, it's reduced a lot of the damage as much as I can. And I'm still playing around with traps. I've got a buddy of mine that's been doing live market for 20 years and he swears by Victor number three soft catch to me, they need too much modification out of the box. I don't like them, but that's all he runs. So everybody kind of has their own, you know, just like anything else in this, in this trapping world, everybody's got their preferences. Um, But, but down here when we're dealing with the live market, we're all trying to figure out ways to reduce the foot damage because we don't want to be beat down over prices when it comes time to sell. And, and one thing that I hadn't really thought much about was you mentioned that you're also caring for this animal between the time you catch it and the time you sell it. And it's like, it's like a whole additional aspect to, to things where you're kind of a, you're kind of a farmer in addition to a trapper. Well, you know, y- y'all that are doing the fur work, y'all's work isn't done when you catch them either. You know, right, I, right. I have no personal desire to do any fur handling. I got into it for predator management. I respect you guys that do it, 
but I am not taking a raccoon and skinning them, fleshing them, boarding them, and sending them to auction for three dollars and fifty cents. It is it's, pretty. It is pretty silly. Um, <laughs> I don't know why we still do it, but we do. Hey, well, it's it's your love. You know, it's your love for for our sport. You know, our our tradition that we we do. Yeah. And everybody's got their own way, but to me, even right now, with as good as the coyote market's been at, for in the fur market, heavy westerns are averaging seventy to a hundred dollars. Well. I might be getting that from one that I haven't done anything to, you know? Right. Yeah. Except, well, uh, I, although I you have a, a little bit of medication and doctoring and, and uh, keeping, you know, feeding it and watering it. Of course, that's work. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I put in my own way, you know, just like the, everybody doing the fur handling has their own work that they got to put into it. So yeah. same same game, just different way to get to the end, you know? Yeah. That's that's pretty interesting. Um, something, something that a lot of guys – I'm glad – good to have you on just to to give that perspective because we don't hear a lot about uh that type of trapping um it, it have you developed like uh, i i know you started out and the there was a guy didn't really want to have you join him on his line but but since then have you developed kind of a community of other trappers around you oh absolutely um and the most common ones i run into is the guys that say i used to trap but once you start talking to them and you know, it, it may be an older an older gentleman that trapped in the 70s or 80s and whatnot, but he still gets fired up when you start talking to him about it. You know, when they when I pull into the gas station, I got a box with a couple of coyotes in it in the bed of my truck. Well, they come out real quick to see what's going on, and they'll start talking trapping to you and whatnot. And but yeah, I've 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 met a few guys around here that are still active and still trapping for the live market, and it's nice to have somebody to just bounce things around, you know, bounce things off of, Hey, I'm having issues with this, that, or the other. And a, a different perspective is always good to have. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm, I'm kind of working on trying to design a trap that's specific for my needs. And it's been nice to be able to say, do you, do you think this would work in it? Do you think this would work in it? And just to get feedback from other guys that are doing the same style trapping and to hear the issues they're having as well you know yeah are you do you do any welding uh just personal i mean i'm i'm not good i can i can make some metal stick together but i, I wouldn't trust it on anything structural <laughs> but I, I can do i can do enough to get done what i need to get done yeah make some sort of prototype of what you're looking for yeah yeah what what are you trying what do you what are you thinking um so minnesota brand makes a 450 fox which is a 450 body with weaker springs on it just to mm -hmm. help reduce foot damage well i want to come up with basically a 550 live market i want the jaw spread of the 550 but i don't want the power of the 550 okay so i, I basically want something that's got that five and a half inch jaw spread but doesn't hit quite as hard i prefer the cast jaws over laminated jaws because it gets rid of that sharp yeah. you know, factory edge. Yeah. So I want something with a wide jaw, but doesn't hit quite as hard. So I'm pit piddling around trying to see if, you know, some springs off of a 450 will fit on a 550. I don't think they will, but what, if I can find something that'll work, you know? Yeah. I, I think, and then of course you, you still need to have holding power once the jaws Correct. are closed. I wonder if you, it, you like with the, with the 550, the, the way that shape, that's like oblong shape, the levers right. don't go up that high I they don't if, go all the way up if, right if you change the the shape of the jaws you might get the levers higher get better leverage like when that locks up 
when those levers come up, the higher they are in relation to those uh, jaws, the harder it is for that animal to open. Right, get get a bit more leverage on there to where that holding power is still there. So it's yeah. it's it's a work in progress and just kind of one of my little piddle ideas that's blowing around in my head, and I've just tinker on it here and there. But hopefully, I can come up with something that works well for what I need. Yeah, yeah. And so so you're like essentially 100% coyote trapping. Have you done any other stuff? Um, zero water trapping. I was actually, I was out, uh, Sokolay fishing earlier this year and I saw a nice little family of otters. I want to go back and hammer them if they're coming back to where they're at, but I've done zero water trapping. So that'll be my jump into it here. Probably next month I'll get down to where I saw them at and go try to trap them. But, uh, like I said, I do, I do nest predator. So I'll, I'll put out a bunch of dog proofs or make some pocket sets specific for raccoons. But with me running my line right now before work, I, I try to stay on the road. So on the properties that I trap on all these pine plantations, we have logging roads cut everywhere mm-hmm. and the coyotes love them. I mean, they, they run the roads more than they're in the woods Yeah. and it's real easy to see when they're running on the ditch on side of it. So I can set basically on the road and I can run my entire line out of my truck and never have to get out my truck unless somebody specifically asked me to go trap on their food plot that they're having issues with one that keeps showing up. But besides that, I, I really don't have to get out my truck, which makes it nice. So, so in your behind lock gates? Yes, I'm behind yeah, gates. So, so that's the, the difference, of course. We have this beautiful thing up here where we got all this open public access land. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I, if I don't have my coyote traps checked by daylight, there's a hunter that's going to come by, and there's a good chance they're going to shoot that animal that's in the trap. You know, right. Like, like everything, there's, there's good and bad to public access um, oh yeah absolutely er, well er, everything's it's there's a lot of freedom there but there's also a lot of uh there's pot- a lot of potential conflicts yeah and, and i've got a wma 15 minutes from my house that's just shy of fourteen thousand acres and i just have no desire to go out there and deal with the issues of trapping public land you know yeah, it'd be great least, to add for, another for like for coyotes and fox i mean i think water trapping right. you'd you'd be in better shape yeah and it's just for, for, you know, even though it would be a really nice block of land to be able to add to my line, it's just, man, the issues you'll have out there. And, you know, we have a lot of dog hunters out here, period. You know, I personally, I got a squirrel dog that I go run out on that WMA and say, you know what, yeah. it's just, it's not worth the headache. It's just, I got private land I can trap all day long. And all it takes is me making, you know, sending a Facebook post out or whatever. Hey, I want more land in my county. And the requests come pouring in. <laughs> so you don't have a lot of comp- trapping competition? Not a whole lot. There's a handful of guys in my area, and, yeah, I mean, there's enough land for everybody to go around and, you know, not bump into each other and be in each other's way. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, I, I, I do remember there was, like, uh, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but it was – it was kind of the probably the early 2000s when you could get $100 for an otter. And a lot of people were going down to Louisiana just to trap for otters. Yeah, so, we got a lot of them down here. <laughs> I think I get I get more grief when I, I, I told my wife I want to go trap the otters that I found. And she, not the otters. I said, babe, there's more otters down here than you realize. <laughs> I said, it's all right. They're I too said, they're, cute. They're, they're just, too cute. Yeah. And so they're just as bad of a predator as anything else I'm going just after. Tell her, yeah, so. they're, they're a water wolf. Yep. Yeah. But no, I, I haven't gotten to do the water trapping yet. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting into it um, here in the next 
few months. So that's that's my target water species is is the otter. And then because I I trap on pine plantations, the lumber companies that own the land they they'll pay you to trap beavers when they get them. Yeah. Now they're they're few and far between on the on the properties out here, but they know you know hey. I'm willing to go figure it out. You know, if we get one on the clubs that I'm on, I'm, I'll go figure it out. I don't know it yet, but there's not much I won't teach myself. Oh, if you learn to coyote trap, you learn to beaver trap. Right. It, are is are there few beavers because you have such dry summers, or is there just not a lot of water there? Or? No, we have plenty of water around here. I think I'm just not in the places looking for them. You know, I mean, I've – I've gotten calls about them that I've had people that want want me to go do it, and they've just been a little bit too far for me to make the trip to make it a learning trip, you know. Sure. And me have to tell them, uh, don't know what I'm doing, but I might figure this out, or I make might just make these beavers really smart. So, you know. Um, but no, there's I mean there's a decent number of beavers out here. They just they have so much area. I think that they're just not very common to run into around here. But when you get into some of these bigger clubs, especially up in northern Mississippi, a little bit around the delta and closer to the river, every club's got to hunt uh, a stand they call a beaver dam. I mean, I've been in, really? you know, probably 15, 20 clubs, and everybody's got a beaver dam stand because they're, they're more common up there, I suppose. Yeah, I know, like, when we get high, when we get – we get years of like really a lot of drought, really low water and places dry up. The beaver kind of disappear and anywhere that is near a big river, it seems like they, they, they'll spend that summer drought period down in the big river where there's water. And then right. as soon as you start to get fall rain they they show up everywhere. It's like they fall out of the sky. There's beavers at every road crossing, every culvert. Uh, there's fresh houses and dams that just show up uh, almost overnight. Yeah, I mean, we, we average, I'm, I'm looking it up right now, in, in the county I'm in, we average over 50 inches of rain per year. And yeah, we probably wow. get 30, you know, probably 25 to 30 of that within December, January time frame. That you is, know, it's, that is wet. <laughs> yeah, we get we get hammered in the winter months, and then our summers, it'll be, long periods of dryness and then we'll have a couple weeks of heavy rain but man i'd say probably 60 percent or more of our rain comes in december january february you know it's it just stays so wet down here yeah huh. so big challenge that that that's good that that uh the pipe dream set is working out for you um, are there are there any other resources that you you learned when you were getting started that that you still use now <sighs> I'm just really starting to play the wind more. Um, I really hadn't heard about that until maybe towards the end of last year. And, you know, kind of another, uh, the only other place I've ever lived besides here is in North Carolina. And I lived on the coast over there. The wind only came from one direction up there, which was really nice. You know, it came off, off the ocean. Yeah. Down here, our wind at one point could be blowing South, you know, we have a south wind, and in a couple hours, it's flipped 180 degrees. It's hard to play the wind out here. Now, like this week, with this front pushing in and all this rain, we have a heavy south wind all week. So, you know, I, I paid attention to that when I set, you know, I went and put out another dozen or so sets this morning. But usually, our wind is unpredictable. Hmm. We get a lot of swirling wind, so it's hard for me to play the wind and, you know, directionally setting my traps. But I'm trying to pay more attention to it. It, 
I haven't seen results yet, but this is, you know, my first year kind of really paying. I, I, I'm not saying I'm doing it on every set either. Yeah. You know, if I feel a strong wind, I'll be like, ooh, let me, let me pay attention to what this is doing and, and try to play into it. Yeah. yeah. Or you maybe look at the forecast for the next three, four days and, and before you set, maybe that helps you determine what side of the road you're going to put your trap on. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, I move sets a lot. So if I have a set and, and I know there's people that leave their sets out there for two, three weeks, maybe longer, and they get catches on them at that point. But I really am trapping for numbers. So if I have a set that hasn't had any action in a week, it's getting pulled and it's going somewhere else because it's not doing me any good not being visited. And I know some people may disagree with that saying, oh, just leave it. It'll get visited eventually. Well, I want where the coyotes are now. I don't want where they're going to come in a week. So I, I spend a lot of time pulling sets and moving sets because I've, I've only got a limited number of traps. Yeah. So, and, and it's certainly a lot more work doing it that way, but you, you, uh, you do probably have a much higher percentage, uh, per, per trap night, uh, animal caught. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I read up on, on, uh, Mark Zagger a lot and I really want to go take his, uh, coyote U that he does, but, uh, you know, he averages 120 coyotes in 21 days. You know, he, he only traps for three weeks. So, you know, he says if he's not pulling in six six a day, he's pretty upset, and he's running about 150 sets, yeah. you know, from, from what I've read up on him. So I don't have 150 traps yet. I'm working my way towards it. It's it's expensive to get there. but uh, Running 150 you know, traps a day is just – that is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, so, so from my understanding, I've never spoken to him personally, but just from what I've read up on him, you know, he takes a three week vacation every year and he's got 21 days to get it done. Yeah. But even so. then, I, I know the days are, he's in upstate New York and, you know, not, it's a little way south of me, but not too much further south. The days are short. Right. And, uh, I mean, you, you start, you start in the dark and end in the dark. It still depends how much, you know, how many miles you're traveling in between the stops and and how many right. traps per stop but that is that's a lot that's of another thing that i've run into with picking up more different you know different blocks of properties is it was quick when i had one big block that i was running mm-hmm. i had to go in one gate run the road come out one gate and i'm done well now i've got distance in between properties i've got a gate at every property i got to get out open pull in get out close check trap same thing on the way out and that it's just it's minutes and minutes add up to hours when you're trying to do it for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Yeah. So yeah, by far the biggest challenge, everybody that I talk to, uh, that's, that's in our position with a a family and, and trying to balance a full-time job and trapping is it's time management. It really is. Oh, it is. But I'm gonna tell you, if I had about another 20 hours in every day, I think I'd be all right. I think I would too. I I would, (laughs) I would love another 20 hours, man. That'd be, Uh, that's all I need. And I don't, I don't think that's too much to ask (laughs) for. Come on. You're going to use them well, right? Right. You know, I'm not just trying to sit around and watch TV. I I got stuff to do. (laughs) Uh, Jeremy, this is fun. Did I miss anything? Anything else you want to talk about? Man, I don't think so. Um, I'm glad I got to talk with you about everything and I hope I hit on any questions people might have. I hope I could help somebody out with some information, even if it's, they were just curious. Um, but if anybody, you know, emails you with any questions, shoot them to me and I'll, I'll answer them. Maybe you can send them back to them and hopefully help somebody out. That sounds great. We appreciate it. And I appreciate having you on.
Yes, sir. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care. Have a good one. You as well. Bye-bye. Okay, now it's time for the Cotsboro's message of the week. New product, pan covers, wire screen, aluminum pan covers. Check them out if you haven't already picked those up. If you need some pan covers for your trapline this year, this winter, uh, check them out, cotsbros.com. These are new and improved and a really good product. I think you're going to like them. Also, check out the clearance and specials on the Cotsboros website. They've got limited supplies of third-degree coyote lure, 99 coyotes, 99 reds, crispy crunch coon bait, midnight snack, and uh, Mill Creek Lures running the line DVD, dirt and water trapping basics. Check those out. Great chance to pick things up at uh, steeply discounted prices. So with that, guys, thanks again for listening in. It's great to have you as always. Until next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. We'll catch you on the next episode.